Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! to entertain you we'll sing your songs hey there are you obsessed with things that happened before your time well if you are join me the host of before my time gelsey laurie to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves you can find us on all podcast platforms soon you'll be swaying so come on sing along and welcome to our strange land episode it's really strange that we're talking about this movie but brian insisted for whatever reason because reasons <laughs> but brian why'd you pick this so when i was younger when i was just a wee lad maybe maybe 13 i used to listen to uh at 11 o'clock at night the radio station the philly rock station mmr used to have house of hair from 11 p.m to 2 a.m that D. Snyder was the DJ for. And he used to do Six Degrees of D. Snyder every single time he would get a celebrity that he had to do Six Degrees from. It seemed like it always ended with, who was in blank with Robert England, who was in Strangeland with me. So I was like, I gotta see this. I, I do gotta say, when I was uh, when I was 13, this movie, I thought this movie rocked. I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I did not. This was not one of those things where it was like, this movie is awful. I'm going to force Matt and Scott to, to watch it. It, it. My memory was it rocked. Rewatching it as an adult, it did not rock. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the first big thing for me was I, when I thought of Strangeland, because I haven't seen this since college easily. I was like, yeah, that's a movie that like, nobody famous is in except for d snyder and then i'm sitting there and i'm watching the opening credits and i'm like linda cardellini amy smart yeah no fuck? like I, I that's those are my notes basically like baby linda cardellini baby amy smart holy shit robert england yeah. <laughs> to use robert england as his, his big six degrees connection like robert england's in this movie for what like five minutes dude and i i and it seemed like a lot of them were in adventures of ford fairlane like yeah it, like it seems like a lot of celebrities were in that movie, I guess, because it was always like, was in Adventures with Ford Fairlane with Robert England, who was in Strangeland 
with me. <laughs> now, I did say Jade was going to come on, but she's not. Uh, but she did say that the acting was atrocious in this movie. Well, she's not wrong, but she no. also doesn't watch the kind of classic material that we normally watch. So, you know. Poor D, man. Poor D. Well, he had these long, pointless speeches all up in this movie, and he was not good at delivering any of them in a way that made them make sense. The whole concept is ridiculous. Yeah, it's a very silly movie. It's very, very silly. And and maybe for Patreon, I might pick this for the next time. Although I don't want to ruin it like I ruined Strangeland, because I thought Strangeland rocked. And I also loved Parental Advisory. And I'm wondering if... That's going to be real hard to find a copy of. Really? Okay, then I won't yeah. pick it. But I wonder if his acting sucked in that. Didn't? How do did we have it on VHS? Because I taped it. It was a, it was a VH1 made-for-TV movie that aired once. Oh. And I just yeah. happened oh, to tape shit. it when it was airing. So. Oh. Yeah, but D. Snyder played himself. It was about the parental advisory sticker court case. I just remember the one line where it's like, are you going to... You're, you're going to speak to... The, the judge's wife like that? And B. Snyder's like, no, I'm speaking to someone who happens to be the judge's wife. See how that works? And as a 13-year-old, I was like, oh, he told her <laughs> Man, the 90s were a weird time. <laughs> I always remember, and this was like an actual, like they recreated this from the actual hearing case, but they were like, what exactly are the CMFs? He goes, they're the crazy motherfuckers. <laughs> you hear the whole trial's like, oh, oh my word. You hear like a jangling because everybody's clutching their pearls, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The opening of this movie reminds me of so many experiences in the 90s, minus ever getting invited to a party. <laughs> like, just <laughs> hopping in chat rooms and be like, I like things, please talk to me. <laughs> but, dude, even in 1998. The intros, I mean, so I saw this movie probably in 1999 or 2000. I know I was in high school. It was right when it came out on VHS or really, really soon after it came out on VHS because by this time I was fully involved in watching as much mediocre horror as possible. So this is really, this is my, this was my bread and butter, right? By 1999, I, I could drive. So um, I was going to the video store twice a week. You know, and so I watched this really, really soon after it came out on video. Hated it. Uh, but I, I even in 1998, the intro song and scroll is so 1998 that I was like, this is lame. You know, like yeah. it was so it was lame when it came out and was trying to be hip. So for me, it was my friend Laura in college was like, hey, come over. Let's watch a movie. And I had never seen it. And she loved D. Snyder. So she was like, oh, my God, you got to watch it. It's the best. And it was like fine. It was fine for like a late teenager, early 20s Matt Kelly to watch. So when I was working at the video store and we were selling a copy for like a buck or two, I was like, yeah, I'll grab it for a dollar or two. Wait, did you did you buy a VHS copy then? No, no, it was a DVD because it was they, it, This came out on DVD? It came out on DVD. <laughs> Very limited DVD. I don't, I think there's like a commentary track and nothing else. Dude, does that mean that it's like a collector's item and you have something that's valuable? Maybe, who knows? But if it's valuable, it's been sitting on a shelf for about 15 years untouched <laughs> until today. So I talked about this with you guys in the chat a little bit, that I had some thoughts. And the thing that bothers me from this movie is that, like, the pacing and the story beats in this movie are completely fucking insane. Because it does things, but then, like, 
completely like it's just padding for time the whole movie so like they have this whole setup to catch d snyder's character and it's all like a bluff you know like they they go to the wrong house and then it's like five minutes later they find d snyder anyway like it doesn't make any sense for that beat to be in that movie if you're literally gonna find him just a couple minutes later anyway and then he goes to prison and you think that this is going to be like a clockwork orange type movie, which would have been interesting, but it's not <laughs> He's just like, like everything that happens in the movie doesn't really connect or make any sense yeah. whatsoever. Like it's so frustrating from like a story writing standpoint to watch this. This movie is the epitome of one thing led to another. Yeah. That's the whole movie. <laughs> Yeah, it's got a lot of yada 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 <laughs> written in it. Like, it's like, so they show up at the house, but it's not D. Snyder's house. Yada yada yada. They find D. Snyder. Yeah. <laughs> like, yada yada yada. He's cured. Yada yada yada. He's no longer cured. Yeah, like, I feel like this is basically one run-on sentence. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And thens. Yeah. And whoever edit this movie loves crossfade so much because it's every single transition they just crossfaded, and it was the most frustrating thing. Well, and whoever shot this movie loves extreme close-ups that are way too close yeah. to what's happening. I wrote down that, like, this is more of a vanity project to me than anything Rob Zombie's ever produced. Like, because Rob Zombie at least has the sense to keep himself out of his own movie. But, like, D. Snyder's like, I'm going to write a movie and I'm going to be the star. <laughs> did, did he write it or produce it? He wrote, produced, starred, and I think may have had a hand in the editing. <laughs> Oh, oh my no. god. D, I thought he was just a producer. Oh god, D. And and <laughs> again, I, I will I will die on this hill, right? Like I I think that Rob Zombie's writing is an acquired taste and some people like it and some people hate it, but he's a good director. Yeah, he's, I, he's I, a he, he's a good that's director. One thing D Snyder stayed away from in this movie yeah. was the directing. You know, so like his movies are at least done well. They're just made, their story or dialogue may be trash. Well, and I feel like the problem also with both both D. Snyder and Rob Zombie at the end of the day that bums me out is that like they're both dudes that I would probably enjoy having a one-on-one -on -one meeting with sometime. Oh, hell yeah. Because they're both like interesting guys and they're personable guys and they're like talkative, informative guys. But man, especially with D, D Snyder needs to. I'm glad that this is the only thing he ever did as a writer because it is it is bad. Yeah. Did you pick up who was on the radio when they were pulling that car out of the lake? Yeah, Kid Rock, dude. Yeah, it was that old... was fucking Kid Rock. Yeah, it was old school Kid Rock playing on the radio. I think it was Fuck Off featuring Eminem. That's when I said, so it started off, it was, it was Twisted Sister, it was Marilyn Manson, and I was like, we should do a soundtracking on this. And then Kid Rock happened, and I was like, mm, Scott would hate the soundtracking on this. And then it just went full-on industrial for the rest of the movie, and I was like, Scott would absolutely despise the soundtracking on this. Yeah, with some Cold Chamber songs. Wait, was, what Cold Chamber song was on this? Uh, I forget. I just was looking at the soundtrack list and saw that Cold Chamber had a song in it. But uh, the song that I liked and i feel embarrassed by how much i liked was that song by bile that was playing when they go into the club oh my god every band that i've ever played with at a shitty club with two singers oh my god that scene was some serious like 
PTSD, PTSD for, for me, man. Like, <laughs> I mean, you got to respect their talent. The lead singer was singing while pulling his face off and not moving his lips at all. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. So I'm looking at the soundtrack, and you've got a song performed by D. Snyder, not not Twisted Sister, D. Snyder. No, the the okay. intro scroll is D. Snyder. It's not Twisted yeah. Sister. Yeah, I had a feeling it was a little bit more '90s rock. Breathe by Seven Dust. Ooh, a, Seven Dust. A Secret Place by Megadeth. Absent by Snot. Oh, Snot. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, Not Living by Cold Chamber. I don't know that song. Where Are You From by Pantera. Oh, my God. They got a fucking Pantera song in this? If Dee Snyder's calling you up about a movie he's doing, they're probably going to say, yeah. Eye for an Eye by Soulfly. Oh, fucking Soulfly. Oh, God. Serpent Boy by Head P.E. I'm the Man by Nashville Pussy. Marmalade by System of a oh, Down. Oh, dude, we could have easily done a soundtracking for this just because that is one of my top five favorite System of a Down songs ever. Yeah, really? and then and oh, then yeah. Heroes Heroes Are Hard to Find by Twisted Sister. It was Fuck Off by Kid Rock and Eminem. I'm embarrassed <laughs> that just hearing it faintly in the background, I was like, oh, that's Fuck Off right there. P&V by Anthrax. P&V, like penis yeah. and vagina. Yeah, it Anthrax, is. I am disappointed in you. What do you expect from Anthrax, honestly? <laughs> Dude, they wrote one of the best thrash records of all time about a Stephen King book that we are now living in. I think that we should give Anthrax a little bit of credit, just not for the song P&V. But they also wrote On the Man, so they're goofy as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, but that's what I like about them. In a, in a world of thrash bands that were way too serious anthrax was like fuck it we'll do a beastie boys song we don't give a fuck listen i like <laughs> i like anthrax i like their cover of looking down the barrel of a gun by the beastie boys yeah weirdly enough that bile song that is probably the most prominent song in the entire movie not on the imdb list of songs that are in the movie. <laughs> i just remember it was like fun girl shoot shoot got the gunner shoot shoot or something like <laughs> yeah, oh my god dude so i was pretty girl on next to see <laughs> oh god that oh and they it was have like, being like stung by compressor if you remember compressor <laughs> no but i know who they are immediately by being like oh this band bile was just like this band compressor compressor wasn't a band it was like a weird stupid late 90s spoof where it was a dude pretending to be like a german industrial artist his big hit single was vitamins are good and it was him just explaining oh yeah what yeah vitamins, i know that yeah vitamins are good i blame michael myers for that uh because dieter was such a huge skit on snl in the early 90s the best part about that was germany's most disturbing videos <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this took a turn for the worse. So in sixth grade, I was at the library and I fell in love with the stupidest fucking book. Um, it was the best of SNL first 30 years or something like that. I have that book because oh I God. also fell in love with it at the library. And then my library was doing a library sale and they were selling it for 25 cents. Oh, yeah, like, that, that's the best 25 that. cents you've ever spent. <laughs> yeah. no, I, I, fucking Toonsies, the the driving cat or whatever. Oh, my God. Toonsies was so funny. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't even know. My memory no longer qualifies what I've seen on SNL and what I just know from the book. So there's one big thing in this movie that I, I want to talk about. And I think Brian remembers this person. One of my best friends in high school also named Brian. Yes, I thought of him the whole movie. Dude, after high school, got very into suspensions. Uh, and 
And no. It was oof. It's and like every once in a while, so I actually bumped into him at a punchline show in Lancaster. But yeah, in college, he would like go to those warehouses where they just had all the hooks on chains. And I remember hanging out with him one Halloween. Hanging out. <laughs> No, this is this is one of the nastiest stories, and I apologize, listeners and everybody. So if you're eating or anything, put that down for a quick second. But he hung out with me on a Halloween night. It was a Friday night Halloween, so we were like, "Oh, dude, we're gonna just fucking stay up late. We're gonna watch horror movies. This is gonna be great." It was like my first Halloween, not living at my parents. I was living in an apartment with some friends. He came over. It was the first time I'd seen him since high school, and he shows up, and he's got these two giant bandages on his kneecaps. And I'm oh, like, no. And I'm like, what's going on there? And he's like, oh, I'll show you, which is never a good sign. And he rips off the bandages and he's like, I was suspending from my kneecaps and my skin gave away. And I was just like, oh, my God. And it was just like literally just his kneecaps filleted um, from these. Oh, it was horrendous. So that's all I can think of no. when I see anybody doing any type of suspension. It's like, no, why would no. you do this? It's no, so no. Gross. Well, dude, it's because you're trying to see the, what the shamans see when they die and come back with knowledge. The whole I don't cons- think that, that was his drive. I think he just thought it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm making fun of D. Snyder here because the, the conceit of this fucking movie is that he's like shaman of pain. He's like the shittiest Cenobite you've ever seen. <laughs> and, and so he's just like, oh, if I uh, I have found knowledge in pain and so will you, Linda Cardellini. And she's like, mm, I'm going to go beyond freaks and geeks after this. Yeah. <laughs> And also, just just so anyone that wants to die, please seek help. And anyone that really wants to die and wants to torture people along the way, killing yourself is very easy. Just do that. Just <laughs> just kill yourself. You know. <laughs> don't don't try and suspend yourself and then be mad at the guy who saves your life because it's like I was almost there. It, basically, he was just mad that the guy stopped him from coming. Yeah. yeah. There's one scene in this movie that made me laugh out loud. I know what it is. It's the only note I've <laughs> Oh, I know what it is, too. <laughs> Wait, so, so why don't you guys say, and I'll see if it syncs up. It's the dancing woman, right? No, not for what? me. No, dude. It's the old man fucking his wife. Oh, no, no. It wasn't it either for me. The not old man for... having a heart attack? No, dude. The, the wife who's clearly got her throat slit. Oh, yeah, and Robert Egan is like, yeah, yeah, get in here. I'm losing my heart on. And it's the most ridiculous, unsexy dance. And he's just like, yeah, baby. It's just like, whoa, whoa. (laughs) No, for me, it's, and it's just like, think about all the things that I love in this movie. It's when like 90s technology is completely off base. Mm-hmm. It's when they change their internet profile and he sees it transition oh, yeah. in real time yeah. to say winter sports. Yeah. <laughs> or should I say cop? And I love that that's the giveaway is that they updated their profile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also love the foreshadowing with Elizabeth Banks when she, uh, no, Elizabeth Amy Banks, Smart. Amy Smart Amy when Smart, she, yeah. uh, it's like, I met some killer guys on there. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. I love Amy Smart. Amy smart explaining what I am is but it, is it is oddly prescient when she's like oh we'll meet everyone we date online eventually because welcome to 2020 well yeah. welcome to 2019 no one's having sex now unless you're already <laughs> married and not having sex yeah 
or you know engaged in not having sex but um right now there's a small fraction of humans that had just recently moved in with a girl or they spend a lot of nights at each other's house and they're on quarantine and they're having sex all day but it is a very very small percentage you're either <laughs> not living with someone because you're single or you're living with someone but sex has just been off the table for for years now. <laughs> Dude, I, but, but I gotta get I gotta get real with you. It's not about sex being off the table for years. It's about the fact that it's really hard to take your mind off of a global fucking pandemic to get a boner. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't understand these people who are, who are like, oh yeah, let's bang four times today, honey. I'm like, have you thought about how many people are dying? I know. Jade had to go to the post office yesterday. And she came back and she was like being cute and like leaned over my shoulder while I was working. And I told her to get the hell away from me. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, did you wash your hands? <laughs> she did. She sanitized. But her hands, that's it. You, you, you covered a small fraction of your body to make sure they're clean. And then you're just rubbing your Rona shirt all over my shoulder. <laughs> This is not my fetish. <laughs> well, this is a pretty solid episode, I would say. Anybody have anything else they need to talk about Strangeland? Or should we move into them double features that are so... I have prominent? one question. I have nothing to talk about because of your uh, bonus episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have one question. When did uh, Captain Howdy have time to put the piercings back in all of his body holes? That If he was in the slammer for four years, I'm assuming most of those holes would have closed up. Yeah, uh, I mean, you said he was a centibite, so I assume that they just like foomped out of his face. <laughs> That's the best sound effect for like what it would sound like when a when a piercing comes out of your subcutaneous flesh. But you know, the funniest thing is, is that even when I was in high school watching this, I was like, these are some stupid tattoos and some stupid fucking piercings. And the funniest thing is that like, if you were really hardcore, you would have tattooed your eyelid too. There wouldn't be a like a black. You wouldn't look like the dog Spot, you know, like from the, the commercials in the 90s or whatever. I have another question. So uh, Freaks and Geeks met this guy online. She drove her car to his No, house. no, no. The, the, her, her, um, her friend. Tiana. Tiana, who had a heart condition. She drove. Okay, so they're roughly the same age. He gets caught. He goes to jail for 14 year, for four years. He gets out and then he gets her out of school. So what grade is she in? Oh, that's a good question. That's what I want to know. <laughs> I might have fast forwarded through that part. I don't remember him getting her out of her out of class, but yeah, that, that's how he kidnapped her the second time. Could have been a college class, or was it definitely but a high who, school class? Who? What dad has to pull you out of school in college? You just don't go. Well, no, but like you might already be at class, and like if there's like a death in the family or something, like hey, I'm coming to get you. Yeah, I guess. I guess college could be it. She could be taking public transportation to school. Yeah. There's ways. There's, yeah. You know what? I, I disregard. I retract that. Yeah, disregard. <laughs> Matt's not going to edit it out, though. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I'm like, I got him sounding stupid. I'm going to keep it. Oh, yeah. man, this is the first time in forever. Now we're going to get a three-star review. <laughs> entertaining, but the way they don't understand how college works makes me want to scream at my radio. <laughs> 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 Fucking radio. Yeah, that's right, 
was it crazy Star Wars fan? We saw your review. Yeah, and you know what? Chewbacca sucks. Crazy Star Wars fanboy saying that we sound good and are worth a listen, but you'll find yourself screaming at your phone when they don't even know fairly common knowledge about heart. We've been doing this for 250 fucking episodes. I'm sorry that sometimes things slip our mind. Yeah, I mean, we're also not in the business. You know, like you listen to Shockwaves and they're like, oh, so-and-so, and they like snap their fingers and they know every person from every giallo from 1973 and i'm like how i because they're in the business but but the flip side is i've yelled at my phone at shockwaves when they don't (laughs) know shit too so like that's everybody leave us alone are you a fan of young adult novels have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels then join author eric j brown and Alyssa lube of netflix's the circle every other tuesday on yaok available on all podcasting apps Woo! we're here to Hey there, are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Anyway, double features. Brian, what's your double feature? Oh, my double feature would ha- would be Trick or Treat. All right. Oh, oh, because of it having um, Ozzy Osbourne and Gene Simmons in it? Yeah, just the only thing I think would honestly line up. And honestly, like, Strange Land was a letdown, and I... Part of the reason that I that I did force you guys for Strangeland is because you selfishly watched Trick or Treat before I was on the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, how dare we? Because I think that that nostalgia would hold up. But I think that 13... Oh, it does. That, yeah, that'd be a great double feature. So I'll do for my double feature, basically just tying right back to that bile scene, made me nostalgic for movies... Actually, you know what, hmm. dude? If you, I'm going to, I'm going to scream at the fucking radio. Go if first, you go first, my... go first, because I think I might have just changed mine in real time. Go first. Okay, well, that is the part that. So that part is the most fun part in this movie, and I don't like. I don't hate Stranger and I just think that it's fucking stupid, you know. Like I, I wasn't like pulling my hair out like when we watched Bloody Murder Two, Closing Camp. Brian. <laughs> this movie wasn't that fucking bad, you know? Like, in the grand scheme of horror movie night, this is very middle of the road for me. But that scene, I was going to go with American Werewolf in Paris. So that was what I was thinking about. So thank nice. you. So you took that. I'm going to go with something even more absurd. Then a bunch of cops, they're showing up. There's a bio concert going on, but they have to go past the crowd in order to get some information. And I was like, this scene seems like something I've seen before. Like when Ace Ventura goes to a cannibal <laughs> <Cannibal Corp> show. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to double feature this with Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Man, that would save the night. <laughs> yeah. Is Dr. Zeke here? Thank you. The guy's just head banging. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I wonder if that movie holds up because like, I have not watched it in... Ugh. 15 or 20 years. There's some stuff that definitely hasn't aged well. I know a lot of people bring up 
the way that he reacts when realizing he's oh that oh yeah it's so transphobic i forgot but, yeah but uh beyond that the the jokes uh when i last watched it i'm like man jim carrey in the 90s and i think that's why everyone is so in love with his performance in uh sonic the hedgehog is like oh have you, oh did you, you saw it right yeah did you like it it's i mean it's great because of him he's so he, it's him back in that like ace ventura mask era jim carrey of just like going balls to the wall like shameless goofiness all right so hop on over to the patreon page uh you can hear us talking about twisted sister i can't imagine why we talk about twisted sister as a bonus discussion to strangeland but before we get into that instead of our normal what did we watch this week we're just going to talk about tiger king for a little bit <laughs> <laughs> if you've been living under a rock and have not watched it, uh, you probably know what happens because of all the fucking memes. I was going to say, Scott, you talk about how people can get a boner during a global pandemic. I think the secret is distracting themselves with Tiger King for <laughs> five hours and then looking at memes all day online. I, I don't know if that gives anybody a boner, but it's an entertainment. It's a humor-induced boner. Which is also what, you know, you'd get if you tried to have sex with Brian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He gets a, he tells you a joke and then you're like, ooh, yeah, got a little I was actually just saying that he's so bad at sex that you'd have to laugh oh. at it. No, I, I no. said that the only thing that makes him attractive is his humor. I thought, <laughs> I was, I thought that was a compliment at first. Nope. <laughs> no, Brian, who are we? <laughs> no, I went for the, 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 what's the dick vein? I don't know, the penis. Uh, so, <laughs> so Scott and Brian, you guys have seen this longer than I have. I, I just saw it a couple days ago before we hit record. Now it's been, what, two, three weeks? Mm -hmm. Has the has the enjoyment of Tiger King faded or has it only grown stronger? I think it's a great documentary. I think it's I think it does a great job at showing it the insanity and, and the ego on every person. Like the, the whole documentary is really focused around like three primarily three people that think that the industry that they're in is fucked up but they're the only one doing it right yeah and they're not yeah and it's insane that the person who's doing it the best is a drug lord that killed people that was only in it for like five minutes but he seemed, he seemed to be doing it the best the only thing i would really say to anyone is i understand the the when you feel like you've missed missed something so you're anti and there's a lot of people that are like i haven't watched tiger king and i never will because it's already being overhyped there's so many layers to this that i assure you no matter how much shit you've seen everything isn't spoiled and it's worth it's worth a watch i feel like it's actually i haven't done this yet but i feel like it's something that's actually worth a second viewing because i'm sure that there is like i was talking about the pacing so here's the thing for me Last weekend, I watched both seasons of Making a Murderer in a row and then following it up with Tiger King. Tiger King is such a better documentary in my yeah. mind because Making a Murderer is 20 hour plus long episodes that could easily the story could have easily been told in two seasons of four to five episodes. Tiger King gets so much information and so much history in in six compact 45-minute episodes. And while they're telling all of this story, what I love is that they never really reveal the end game. It's always the story is so insane from start to finish that you never have to like hype up what happens at the end to keep people invested. There's so many great cliffhanger moments at the end of every episode that just 
lead in a very narrative way down the trail without playing its card early. And that to me is so impressive. That has everything to do with having the perfect subjects and the perfect crazy story to keep people invested. That and look at the first episode of Tiger King. One of the reasons that knew that it was set to be a great documentary is, and I'm going to shit on making a murder because I don't really like it, but Tiger King was about the reptile trade. And he, he followed the story with his camera. He, he started making a documentary about selling poisonous snakes and saw that people were trading lions and tigers and he followed that and making a murderer 100% feels like these documentary whoever made this documentary had a story that they wanted to tell and they forced their story and they forced the narrative to go to their story where tiger king just looked like the the camera just followed the story and it and it didn't seem like it was forced to tell anything and everyone, you know, it's a good documentary when everyone besides the egotistical maniac despises it, right? Like every subject, every subject hates it. The person who kind of got portrayed the worst besides Carol Baskin is like, this is great. <laughs> you know, I think it's a good documentary, but I also feel like, and I agree that the documentarians that put it together are just world class, but at the same time, I, I feel like it's a very straight. It's it's hard for me because everyone in it is awful. Yeah, oh, everyone is a people. fucking scumbag. But I think that that's what, in a weird way, makes it enjoyable for me to watch. Is that it's like, oh, it's going to end badly for all of these people, and I don't feel the least bit upset about it. Oh, okay. This is the weirdest year ever, dudes. <laughs> I. I, I I think I want to watch this crackheads documentary. That's a brand new sentence. <laughs> They're trash people and people like watching trashy reality TV and trashy people and documentaries and stuff because it makes them feel less trashy. Like yeah. they're like, oh my God, thank goodness that I'm not as much of a train wreck as this person mm-hmm. uh, as much as like anybody on Jersey Shore or anybody on Vanderpump Rules or blah, blah, blah. But for me, it just stresses me the fuck out because I'm like, these people are out there and they're probably reproducing. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's it. Tune in next week because it's supposed to be prom season and coronavirus or not. We're going to have a goddamn prom over here at Horror Movie Night. So tune in and see what our prom movie is this year. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! We're here to entertain you. We'll sing your songs. Hey there. 
Are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 